Very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I'll be speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and crucially, find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, today I'm joined in the studio by Angharad Maxwell, founder of Hilltop Flowers. Angharad, how are you today? Welcome. I'm great, Sarah. Thank you. How are you? I'm great and I'm really, really looking forward to this episode. Um, Yeah, I don't think we've ever had a business like this in the studio today. But before we begin and get into our conversation, I'm going to give a little bit of background on Angharad and Hilltop Flowers. Angharad was previously a physiotherapist, but left the NHS to pursue her dream of becoming a sustainable flower farmer with a little help from her husband, David. Now, her husband is David Maxwell. Many of you will know as presenter of BBC Radio Ulster's Gardener's Corner. Set in a beautiful location in the hills above Belfast and overlooking Strangford Lock, Hilltop Flowers prides itself on producing premium quality seasonal flowers which are grown organically. These luxury blooms are sold both directly to customers and to florists. Angharad provides flowers that cannot be sourced elsewhere and are all chemical free. And Harriet, it just sounds like the most idyllic, wonderful life that you lead. But I'm sure it's hard work. Absolutely. Doesn't it sound gorgeous? And, you know, to be honest, that's what I want people to think. But the reality is, as much as I love it, it is really hard. Both physical graft and mental graft, actually, logistics and a lot of spreadsheets, seed sowing, um, seed sowing spreadsheets and planting um, plans and yeah there's a lot of head work goes on as well as physical work. So did you always want to own your own business because you were a physiotherapist so how did it happen? Absolutely not Sarah I had never even considered being a, having my own business. Um, I was born um, to a dairy farming family in Wales, very rural Wales, absolutely loved being outside as a child. I was always attached to my auntie's hip, walking around um, the farm and helping out. And while I loved the animals and I loved the outside, loved the crops, I also loved all things medical and people. And so life initially led me down a very different path. I went to university in England and became a physiotherapist and worked as a physio for almost 20 years which I can say I absolutely loved and hadn't even thought about becoming a business <laughs> businesswoman um, but yeah but then things changed. Yeah and that's what often happens life gets in the way or mm-hmm. pre- presents you with opportunities and um, tell me a little bit about David obviously I actually worked with your husband David you back did, in BBC yes. Northern Ireland we were both journalists uh-huh. in the newsroom mm-hmm. but David always had a hankering for working and and doing exactly the job that he's doing now in Gardener's Corner so your love of each other also blossomed but mm-hmm. also this love of flowers absolutely Sarah I mean we have always had the most fabulous garden not because of me if I did any gardening it was mostly the clearing up which I didn't mind doing at all or I was more interested actually in growing something that was useful like vegetables or fruit um, but actually it was 
just over 10 years ago when a very dear friend came around for dinner and they she brought me a bottle of wine in one hand and a bunch of flowers in the other hand and they were the most beautiful flowers I have ever seen in my life. They lasted a really long time in the vase and they had the most fabulous scent which I'm sure your listeners will know if you go and buy flowers these days they may be beautiful but you don't get a scent out of them that's so true yeah absolutely and I was just so delighted with them but the biggest realization of everything was that I had all of those flowers and more in my own garden mostly thanks to David so I started picking flowers bringing them in and this sounds ridiculous now but my sort of mentality was flowers in the garden stay in the garden but if you want flowers from the house you go to the supermarket or the florist which seems ridiculous now but you didn't want to cut the I beautiful didn't want to in cut the them and and they were so gorgeous but so so my journey started but it was for myself and it was for lovely jugs of flowers in the kitchen or on the hall table um, and giving them a gifts to people but very quickly you start thinking oh I don't have enough flowers to do everything that I want here or enough gifts that I want to give so David and I planted more and more flowers that we could cut but also were gorgeous in the garden and I think that what is what I just absolutely love is that everything that you can grow in the garden most things you can bring inside you don't need to have a specific cut flower area you need to be able to enjoy the garden but bring them inside um and over the years a couple of people sort of suggested oh why don't you make this into a business these flowers are absolutely gorgeous and I loved my job as a physiotherapist it wasn't something that I'd ever contemplated. I thought, well, if I was ever made redundant or if life took me in another direction or if we moved jobs, um, if David moved jobs and I couldn't find a job as a physiotherapist, maybe that's what I would do. But almost two years ago now, life circumstances in life kind of turned a different direction where I realised the hours that I was doing weren't going to work with the family. Um, I was pregnant again and my brother was very unwell and so I stood back from physiotherapy and after I made the decision to stand back I thought oh is this the right time to start thinking about growing flowers as a business. And what happened next? Well Sarah I had been doing a lot of work in the background this didn't just start two years ago for my own planting knowledge and for my own flower farming or or flower growing knowledge and cut flower knowledge I had been doing courses in the background I had been reading books I had been following people on social media I'd also visited a few flower farms in England and Wales so while yes the business started two or a year ago officially In my mind, it had been going for a lot longer. But the problem I had was finding land. Um, People either wanted to sell you 20 acres, which I neither could afford and didn't want, or I people wanted to rent you something, the space of this small room for thousands of pounds, a tiny wee allotment. Mm. Um, So the real breakthrough came when a friend was sitting in my garden and said, Angharad, when are you going to make this into a business? And I said, Dave, I just, I would love to. I just don't have land. And he said, I know someone who has just inherited a field and a polytunnel and he's not using it. Would you like me to talk to him? Oh my goodness. So by the end of the week, I had rented half an acre in a four acre field with the use of half an industrial polytunnel and running water. And how did you feel at that moment? Then I knew it was all or nothing. Sarah, then I knew that was it. I had to put every last piece of me into this to make it work, you know. 
And at this stage, were you thinking, I might go back to the physiotherapy, I could keep doing that? Or had you definitely just decided this, no. that's, that chapter's That closed. chapter had closed. I knew, I knew how hard farming is generally, having been brought up on a farm. I know that it is your whole life. Yeah. And flower farming in many ways isn't different. And when it's your own business. And so... I knew that the chapter had closed on physiotherapy and I was really excited for what was to come. But also, in order not to get completely overwhelmed, I mean, what do you do when you're standing there with a very rough half acre that was very, very sort of lumpy and bumpy? You need to make it prime ground to grow flowers. You just have to step back and take it one small step at a time. And I was very fortunate that actually I started renting the ground in sort of the middle of summer. So I knew that I wasn't going to be selling flowers till the next March. So I knew that I had quite a lot of time to put preparation in place before I needed to start selling. So this was like business development, so to speak. Yeah, this was just all of the logistics, putting yeah. in a lot of... Um, uh, well, first of all, I had to put in a fence because the rabbits, Sarah, I don't know if you know anything about rabbits. I know nothing. It was rabbit city on that field. So the first thing I had to do was spend a lot of money bringing um, a huge digger in to flatten the ground to make it workable. I put a trench around my half acre that was a foot deep so that I could put chicken wire fencing in. That was a foot deep so that rabbits couldn't get in so that I could protect my crop. Um, and and then I started planting and I just had to take it one bed at a time. And boy, have those beds been hard won. <laughs> and do you mean that you've gone out there, you, you, you have the digger, but are you mm -hmm. doing this all on your own or have you got help? So Is David <clears throat> useful? David is definitely useful. His encouragement and his knowledge is really, really useful. He has done some physical work for me as well, but it's my business and it's my time. And so, yes, I physically dig every single bed that is there. And my beds at the moment are 11 metres long by one metre wide. And I have about 30 of them at the moment. So you do the math and see how many beds I've dug. And it's a combination, it's, it's a combination, Sarah, of perennial planting so for those of you who don't know what perennial means that is plants that grow up in the spring and flower over the spring and summer but die down in the winter nice. um, but you don't have to plant them every year you know that they're coming up then you have annual plants which you have to sow from seed every single year um, and when that crops over you rip it out of the ground all that work and you're starting afresh oh the next goodness. year um, and then also shrubs and that's been a really big learning curve for me about spending money to make money I know that sounds so simple but the cheapest thing to do would to be to sow everything from seed every year but it would be a lot harder work mm -hmm. so it's about thinking how much money do I invest in the perennials and shrubs which might not give me the biggest yield in the first year second year some of the shrubs not even until year five oh. But you have to see past the first few years and know that that is a good investment, but also not spending so much money on the shrubs that you have no flowers in the first few years. Well, I am hearing sense. a lot about, you know, cash flow, maybe. Absolutely. <laughs> Whatever you're starting Absolutely. out. This business seems to need so much of your yeah. time and money yeah. initially. Mm -hmm. uh, when did you start up? I started in... Uh, last September. Last September. Mm -hmm. So have you started to reap the rewards yet? So 
Oh, Sarah, I can't be, I couldn't be more thankful for how this year, I set myself with a very low bar. <laughs> I thought if this is my setup year and I don't sell anything, I have limited time looking after the children. And so I've got to be realistic here. But I am so, so thankful that, and, and you've got to remember that seasonal flowers, you're selling really from the end of March mm-hmm. until the middle of September or beginning of October, depending on the weather. So you only have a six month window, half the year to sell and the rest of the year is preparation for the next year and also you have to plan almost a year in advance um unlike let's give an example of a bakery I mean you can bake to order you can't sow flowers to to order you have to plant plan you have to plan what florists want Mm. you can't the biggest lesson someone ever told me before I went into flower farming was don't just so what you want and then try and sell it just because you've grown it you have to grow what people want as well you know so you grow to order Mm -hmm. not necessarily so to order and tell me about the florists that you work with and the people that you sell to so how did you work out your customer base yeah well that's really interesting Sarah while I had all of these flowers growing I was in the middle of planting the middle of borders you can only do so much planning when it comes to selling because you also know that you're going to get the biggest return from direct sales but at the same time I don't have a flower shop Mm. um also you can yet yet um also you know you can sell a lot more wholesale to florists but because I was just starting out I knew that if I had every florist under the sun coming to me I'd say that is great but you know come back to me in five years when I've got enough for all of you so that kind of grew a little bit organically to be honest with you I knew I needed to do some direct sales but I knew I needed to do some wholesale as well Um, and I knew flowers very well but I didn't know business very well and growing and selling to florists so yeah it was a big learning curve so I started off once the flowers started to come up it was almost a panic it was like oh there are flowers here and I need to sell them (laughs) so um, I started off just a very small uh, select customer base people who I knew would be interested and that has literally just snowballed Is that right? people have said oh I love the flowers my auntie was here she said they were gorgeous could you please add her to your client list and oh my friend is really interested do you mind adding her contact details and this has just oh my goodness steamrolled and so I have a really big client list and every week I will sort of say what is available now I don't tell people exactly what's in flower because every two the joy of local sustainable flowers Sarah is that every two weeks you know the flower palette and the color palette completely changes so someone can buy a beautiful 40 pound bouquet one week come back two weeks later and they have a beautiful bouquet but it's completely different and people seem to just love that that they don't know what they're going to get get. and I don't get what I guarantee I say I don't guarantee what flowers you'll get but I'll guarantee you that you will have a beautiful high-end luxury bouquet I mean if someone really has a very specific well I hate yellow yeah (laughs) I won't force yellow on them not that I like yellow anyway so don't have much yellow in the field but you know that that the customer seems to love it and so then from a wholesale point of view I restricted myself to working with one wedding florist Floral Earth in Belfast who are just amazing Tim and the team oh you know I have so much to be thankful to them for because 
they just say, this is the weddings we have this week. What have you got? So I take photos and I say, well, look, I've got a fair few stems of this. If that would suit or will this suit the colour palette? And they'll say, OK, I'll take 20 of these or I'll take 15 of these or I'll take 30 of these. But then there'll be some weeks where it just doesn't suit. And that's OK. I'll say they'll say, oh, I don't think they'll suit this week. Can I come to you next week? And, you know, that has just been amazing to learn picking in large numbers and for a customer like um a florist but uh, you've also pointed to the fact that you know you've got the sustainable business you've mm-hmm. got seasonal mm-hmm. flowers mm-hmm. everything's organic mm-hmm. and people love that don't they they do i think probably people are i think flowers are behind the curve with regards to education compared to consumables compared to food so i think people don't think about flowers sustainably no. not yet and where do they come and from where and where do they come from what miles have they exactly. traveled exactly so sarah 90 plus percent of all cut flowers in um, the uk and ireland either in the florists shops or in the supermarkets all come via holland but most of those flowers are grown in south america and in africa Gosh. and so they come through holland and are then you know shipped across the globe again Um, we really don't know that well we don't think we even think to (laughs) ask you just don't even think about it and so because of that the pesticides and the fungicides and the other chemicals that they are treated in um, in those countries they don't have the same regulation that food does and so they can basically put whatever they want on those flowers and it isn't heavily regulated then in order to travel from say Colombia to Holland then to Belfast to a florist in Belfast they're sprayed with preservatives as well Um, so first of all they have had sprayed in pesticides they have come halfway across the globe to get to us but on top of that Sarah like our fruit and vegetables are now chosen because the varieties are robust and they won't damage during transport the same is happening with flowers you'll see that you're getting less and less and less variety of flowers because they're coming from South America they need to be jostled and tossed about a little bit and not get damaged so you're getting just thicker stems and all of those lovely beautiful ethereal and twinkly bits and just really magical flowers have just been completely lost so what we offer and what I offer at Hilltop Flowers is flowers that are grown locally and because they're grown locally they are picked the day before they are fully conditioned and hydrated for 24 hours so that they have the longest vase life and then you have them number two it's really good for pollinators I don't use any chemicals at all so you are not losing the pollinators which we all know now are not just so valuable for um, growing plants but for life as a whole Um, so there are so many advantages they haven't got the carbon footprint either and actually Sarah interestingly there was a study done by the National Institute of Health Um, on florists fingers and fingernails and skin on their fingers and the levels of toxicity that are in florists skin and fingernails as a result of working with the water that flowers are in that have come from the wholesalers I had no idea this is an education yeah they're at a really toxic level to a point that it can cause cancer and also infertility and if you imagine obviously that's terrible for the florists but then your flowers have been in that water and then you're putting that water down the sink Mm. and you know six billion pounds is spent in the UK every year on cut flowers and 90% of those are not grown sustainably so that's 60 million pounds worth of you know 
you know, very toxic water going into the water systems as well that needs to be treated. So there are so many reasons why local flowers are number one, good for pollinators, your health, but also, crucially, you get a better product at the end of the day. This is staggering, and I'm sure there'll be lots of people looking at each other, maybe if they're in their car Uh travelling or Uh they're just walking along, Uh listening to this podcast, going... I had uh-huh. no idea. I know, I know. And, and you know, it's starting a conversation, it's mm-hmm. starting to think differently. Mm-hmm. What are the florists saying to you? The florists are saying if we could buy everything locally, we would buy everything mm. locally. Then there are some people, I, some florists I feel are more invested in that than others because let's be honest, the wholesalers in Holland make it so easy. Mm-hmm. You can order something online the day before and then you can go into your florist shop the next morning and the overnight lorry has the key for your flower shop and they're there ready for you to work with. So okay. so how do you compete against that or will you never try to compete against that? I know that my product is a luxury. It's a different it's a different product, Sarah. It is a different product. It's a luxury product that will have most of my flowers or as many flowers I can will have scent. They, the way that you can compete is that many florists have said to me that in order to know that they have enough quality blooms that they can use, they will order twice as many flowers as they need. The quality has started to de- decline when it comes to buying flowers wholesale from abroad. Um, and they know that if they're buying from me, then... It's fresh the day before and Tim from Floral Earth always says to me the difference in quality is just amazing. Now, I've got to be realistic. I'm not I don't have flowers from October right through to March. So people need flowers during that time. Mm. And so a very wise florist, Janet from the Flower Room Belfast, once said, and she grows quite a lot of flowers that she uses herself in her wedding floristry in her allotment. She says, I kind of see it as a hybrid car. I buy as much as I can locally, but I know that I'm going to have to buy also from the wholesaler as well. I don't think we will ever be able to provide all year round at the numbers that every single florist wants, but it's a start and I think if florists can do as much as they can, as well as us as flower farmers, we need to be going out there and actually explaining the benefits of it and also the consumer people say what can I do and if you if people look up the flowers from the farm website um, flower farmers across the UK are listed there and you can contact them and buy from them or you know if you have someone in Wales you want to send flowers to you can just look up flower farmers in Wales and they will make locally grown bouquets for whoever you want that's so, so interesting again yeah. so mm-hmm. if you if you're listening to this and think I'm going to change what I do um I, I want to go back to the business though mm. at the end of the day you have to run a Absolutely. business mm-hmm. um, you're doing it all by yourself uh you've had a really <coughs> positive start mm-hmm. um but this is moving into the quieter time now so mm-hmm. the money's not coming in now mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. talk to me about that is that a big challenge so yes um A lot of flower farmers have sort of diversified into doing workshops and, you know, Christmas workshops, making Christmas wreaths, autumn pumpkin bouquets and such like. I am hoping not to go down that route. Um, I have 
sort of plans of what I would like to do to keep the um, cash flow going through the autumn and winter and early spring. But at the moment, I just have to be really realistic with the time that I have with the children. I could have waited until all my children were in school when I started this business, but you know, there's never a perfect time to start a business, is there? And I thought if I wait another however many, four years once Jude is born, you know, that's four years I could have started mm-hmm. and I could have got this. So I am accepting of the fact that I am not going to make anything until March. <laughs> I um, and, and then you make it last longer. But you make it, yeah. But what you have to do is really think. So what I am doing is making sure that next year I am working so hard in order to have twice as many plants for the following year and I think that's what you have to do you have to just keep expanding keep um I I now have someone who I employ on a um and I have someone who I employ on a self-employed basis uh actually the horticulture college um in Caffrey have asked if I will take students because they like what I am doing um and I had a volunteer from there who I have now employed on a on a um self-employed basis to come and do some work for me so I have to be realistic with the time that I have if I think right I planted this amount of flowers with my um, time and my physical energy in this amount of time you just have to use the maths if I have one more person (laughs) doing some work for me then I can plant you know double the amount of flowers and ultimately yeah it's about planning I know that I will not be making a profit for at least three years but if you don't start, you never will. Yeah, but you've got the vision. You know where you're mm-hmm, going. And mm-hmm. if you look at other industries, like maybe yeah. the tourism industry mm-hmm. in certain places, it could be completely dead over the winter. Yeah. Um, but they know exactly. that you work so hard exactly. when you need to. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? There's also a blessing in that, Sarah. Um, the busiest time of the year is late spring and all the way through the summer because you're still continuing to plant to make sure that you have flowers a succession of flowers coming through the whole of the flower season but then you are picking and arranging on top of that so I would get up at half past five in the morning especially in the summer holidays get to the field when the sun is up start picking pick 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 put them all in the dark room so that they can fully hydrate so that can be arranged the next day I then go home get the kids to school then go back up to the field to do the planting then I make bouquets from the flowers that were picked the day before and then once the children are in bed if I haven't got enough flowers for the next day I go back up to the field to pick and so you have to I have put my body and soul and all my finances into this but I know that I am on the uh, on the schedule that I want to be at the moment and I have to see several years ahead. Well you're still smiling. I am. You I must love it. love it. I love it Sarah. I can't even tell you and I love the digging as much as I love the picking and people say what's your favourite part and I think I don't know. I I genuinely love it all. I suppose I have, you know, when you really are digging a border, you know, you think, well, you know, it's a bit monotonous, but it's not like I dislike it either. And I'm out there with the the benefits of being brought up on a farm, Sarah, is that, you know, that the business has to keep going, whatever the weather, you just change your clothing and you get out there. And there's always something that you can do. And I have planted 500 gladioli bulbs in the absolute sleet and pouring rain. But you know what? You're putting it in the ground knowing that you're going to have 
flowers in a few months time which is spectacular so you don't even really see the rain because you know what the outcome's going to be um, good life lessons really and for the children yeah. watching this and seeing how the hard work pays yeah. off and the beauty that comes from it absolutely and but I think there's a caution to be um said in that too Sarah when I started this I think it would be very easy starting a business you know you could be working at it all day every day you could be answering emails all day every day you could be legitimately you you'll never have enough time in the day for your own business so you have to be really conscious and you have to be really intentional about the times that you're not working and when David and I were talking about this and talking about the logistics of family life I said I as far as I possibly can I will never work on a Saturday and Sunday because I have small children what is the point in having the most successful business in the world but sad children who were resentful of the time that you spent on the business and for a few extra pounds there has to be the balance and ultimately I'm doing it for us as our family and what's the point in doing it if you're not spending time with your family so I spend my time on as I said when the children are sleeping I go to the farm or when they're at school and of course there are times that you know there is a bit of a crossover and you can't do much about that but as long as you have clear boundaries mm -hmm. and sometimes I just have to put my phone on the mantelpiece if it rings I know it's you know I can hear it if a text comes through I can hear it but it would be so tempting to reply to emails all the time and yeah I think I would say to people if they're starting off a business and especially if they have children don't sacrifice the rest of life um, f on the altar of your business within limits you know you yeah. have to work I have given my all to this but I have set myself parameters. And it's so important to do that because, <clears throat> you know, I usually apply the nobody died test. It will mm. be okay. Yeah. <laughs> the work will yeah. still be there in yeah. the morning, but burnout is real. Yeah, absolutely. Entrepreneurs absolutely. And absolutely. Who own their own business. Absolutely. Um, so I'm wondering what kind of help you got mm -hmm. setting up the business. Mm -hmm. So you want, you had a business idea. A lot of people go on different mm -hmm. programs mm -hmm. or they mm -hmm. join a local chamber or they, mm -hmm. they, mm -hmm. they avail of some funding to help. Have you had anything? Um, so when I started uh, thinking about a business, obviously I knew plants well, I knew growing well, I knew flower arranging well, but I wasn't a business person. Um, I like to think that I keep a good, uh, good documentation on all of my outgoings and taking my profits but I didn't really know anything about business so I did avail of the go for it program and Robbie Jameson was very very good and helpful at just explaining the basics of business to me and sort of getting my head in the right place for that. I'll be honest I don't have the best maths brain. I have um, many other skills, but neither David or I would be people who um, probably have business, pure business brains. Um, but what I would say to people is, you know, you can pay people to help you with that. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be really sad if I hadn't started this flower farm just because I didn't have the genes for great accounting. <laughs> so you can employ an accountant to do that um, and equally you could also have people who are very good at accounting and have business minds but also don't have the vision and don't have the skills to um, and creativity to start a business so anything that you feel that you can't do there's always people who can help and certainly the go for it program was very helpful for me and yes 
an accountant to to keep me right. I'm loath to ask this question mm-hmm. and I hope that um, people weren't saying, is she going to ask this question? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you plan to grow your business? <laughs> uh-huh. Well, yes, I plan to grow my business literally by growing. And I don't mean that in, <laughs> sarcastically. Um It's simple. The more stems you have, the more stems you can sell. And so I have invested in half of my um, piece of land is now filled with plants. So my target for next year is to fill the next half with plants. I have just invested in a large um, industrial polytunnel because I want to grow more undercover, especially the roses, because roses don't while they grow in Northern Irish weather, for floristry, they have to be pristine mm. and you get any rain or wind on them. So I will be doing a lot more roses under cover. Um, I trialed some last year. So it's basically Sarah Simple. It is more flowers. It is reaching out to more florists and working with more florists. I don't think I have the capacity to do any more direct sale myself. I am at my capacity with the number of bouquets that I can make myself. So then I have to think, okay, where are my other streams coming from? So I will probably be going down the route of more wholesale to florists. And I have been talking to some local um, farm shops and sort of high-end farm shops as well. And I am thinking about selling through them also. It's so exciting and it, it just sounds idyllic and, oh. you know, just seeing the passion mm-hmm. for your flowers and for your family and for your yeah. life. I just wish you such, such success. I'm sure David is, is so proud of you. Oh, do you know, I think he is. <laughs> I think he is. He doesn't say much, but I just don't think he can believe how much has happened in one year. I really don't. Yeah. In one year. And yeah. th- tell people where they can find out more if they want to have a look at what you're doing. And- Absolutely. Um, so, yes, please find out more by going on to Instagram and Facebook at Hilltop Flowers. And I have a website as well, which is hilltopflowers.co.uk. Um, if you're interested in becoming a customer, you can always directly contact me and I will add you to the customer list. If you are a florist and you would like to come up and know more about it, please just give me a message. You know, I love my flowers and I love showing people around and it's just really lovely to be able to share it and to show where the business is going in the future. Do you deliver or do people have to come to you? Um, when it comes, yes, at the moment, people pick up from me so obviously there's a geographical restriction there in the future I hope that that will change but again times and seasons in life I've just started off that is something for maybe three years time (laughs) and before I ask you the final question Mm -hmm. that I put to all of the guests Mm -hmm. who sit where you Mm -hmm. are today I'd love to know do you have a favorite flower Mm. (laughs) that's a really interesting question every season I probably have different favorites and every two weeks I have a different favorite (laughs) but I think that the flower that surprised me most was the ranunculus they were just so spectacular and flowered for so long and had such a long vase life I mean the sweet peas are gorgeous and they smell so gorgeous but they're a luxury that you only have for three days in a vase whereas ranunculus just kind of has it all it lasts nearly two weeks in a vase and it just gets better and looks so fabulous so I'll regret saying ranunculus because I'll go in the car on the way home. I'll think it isn't ranunculus, it's something. But it is right now today. Uh, Right now today, as you're talking to me. Yes, I think, you know, they are just fabulous and in every different colour under the sun too. 
Now, the purpose of this podcast, Ang Harrod, is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business by offering an insight into the success of businesses such as your fabulous <coughs> Hilltop Flowers. What advice would you give to those who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? That's such a good question. And I think there are probably quite a few answers to that Um I'll give you two though. Um, I think research is key. Obviously with business, no matter how much you research and how much planning you put into it, there's always an element of risk and rolling the dice. But we've also been given brains to try and think it through as logically as possible. And as I said before, I had visited other flower farms. I had looked at what was around and about. I had done my research with courses and read books um, and I had to look at what was already out there Um, and I think if you see that you have a unique product that you know um, people can't find anywhere else and you can, can compete with what's already there then you have a good chance at giving it a really good go. I mean For example, if you see that the market is saturated with people who've been doing it for a really long time and you're starting from scratch, I think probably your head should tell you that maybe that isn't the way to go, um, no matter how much enthusiasm that you have for it. So I think you have to be sensible and use your head. And what I saw out there was, I think that I can compete with this. And I think that, and I hope this doesn't sound proud in any way, but I hope that I can do better and I strive to do better and I strive to give people the best cut flowers that they can buy in Northern Ireland and secondly I would say once you've started your business make sure that you're not sacrificing all the other important things in life while I have given myself all of myself physically and mentally and I have invested my so much money into this um, with the hope and knowing that I will get the return make sure that you don't sacrifice the important things in life If you have children, make sure you're spending time with them. Make sure that they don't come back to you in the future and resent you for it. Um, um, But also I can see with my children that they're very proud of what I'm doing, even at the young ages that they are. It's really lovely for them to see such um, hard work and hopefully that will teach them something for the future. But also don't look back in 20 years time when your children are grown up and think, I wish I'd spent more time with them. And there is a great lesson. I'm Harrod Maxwell. Thank you so, so much for joining me today in the podcast studio. You can tune in again next time, folks. I will be joined by Tom Houston from Immersional for another fantastic episode of the Public Eye Podcast. Thank you, Ang Harrod. Thank you. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.